Welcome to Friday 15, everyone, with Master B2B. My name is Brian Beck. I'm here with Andy Hoare. Again, on Friday, what an action-packed week it was, Andy. Welcome. We've got some good stuff coming today. We're talking all about Amazon. Welcome, everyone, to Friday 15. We got some news about Amazon this week, uh, which is really interesting and exciting. We're going to dive into that in just a minute. But, Andy... Um, uh, I'm, I'm excited about some breaking news, which of course is all about um, is all about Amazon. Yeah, but Brian, wait, you messed up. We the have some other breaking news. What's the other breaking? News? What's the other guy look like? What other guy? <laughs> Your nose. <laughs> oh, my nose. Yes. Well, I'm on, for those of you on the podcast, you can't see my nose, but I got uh, smacked by a volleyball last weekend. Uh, my wife and I like to play volleyball. I'm, I'm 52, and for some reason, we we decided we want to play against uh, you know high school volleyball players who like to hit the ball really, really hard. And so it took. Are you tell me they were all girls though? Oh, shut up! It's all. <laughs> yeah, by the way, girls can hit the ball really hard too. <laughs> yeah, they can. They can for sure. They, and and that would have been just as much or worse damage as some of the women we play with hit me. But six feet away, buddy, it was not yeah. good. Anyway, it's fine. So uh, recovered, luckily didn't break, but yes. So our breaking news, I'm going to go back to our breaking news. A clip here. Andy, see this. Amazon could be held responsible for third-party products sold on its platform. So the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission has um, um, so a case in front of it where they're ruling, they may rule that Amazon is a distributor. And if they rule Amazon is a distributor, that means that uh, it would be liable for third-party products, including the safety of goods it sells, that sells for outside vendors on its website and ships for them through its logistics network. You know, not just a platform. Amazon has historically claimed, hey, we're not responsible for those products if a third-party seller puts them up on the site. Um, and you have cases, Andy, which, you know, some stuff was documented in the Wall Street Journal uh, over the past few years where, you know, uh, you know, bicycle helmets used by kids that don't work or motorcycle helmets. There was a, I think it was a motorcycle helmet. Somebody died uh, from a, a helmet that was not actually yeah. compliant with federal safety regulations. And they bought it from Amazon. They bought it through a, you know, through a third party seller. So this is a real issue. Um, uh, and, and it has implications, I think for, you know, the, the folks who manufacture and sell products on Amazon, particularly some of the big established brands. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm 50-50 on this one. On the one hand, I think they can't be absolved of responsibility for what they sell. On the other hand, it will significantly curtail what's available. They won't take as many risks. And so, you know, there's good and bad about this, but no doubt about it, this would be a monumental shift. If Amazon had to be responsible for this stuff, um, you know, I'm sure the distributors are are thrilled about this idea because they are, you know, if Granger ships something, the exact same thing gets shipped on Amazon, Amazon's not responsible for it. Granger technically is right. They want an even playing field. Uh, but yeah, it's just going to be an interesting one to watch. Well, and I think too, if, if, you know, the other side of this too, is those companies out there that, you know, stand on their product, that's, you know, the, the traditional manufacturers who, you know, they stand on the quality of their product as their key differentiator in the marketplace. This could actually be good for them because what Amazon would do if, if they have to do this, I mean, there, there are billions of products on Amazon, Andy, and they would have to um, really go in and make sure that the sellers, they're going to have to make some broad stroke decisions on some of these sellers. Um, it's just the order of magnitude of the challenge of, 
of, of addressing this issue, they're going to probably have to make some significant changes in how they manage sellers and tighten that quite a bit. And so I think in a lot of ways that would be good for uh, the, um, you know, the, those folks, those traditional brands, and ultimately potentially good for the, you know, the customer of Amazon too. Well, final thought on this, it might actually finally force them to clean up for the last time-ish mm-hmm. their rating stuff, which has been right. highly right. suspect. And so it might raise the bar for that too. So yeah, it will be interesting to watch. So this today, guys, we're talking about will AI change the game for B2B on Amazon? This is really fascinating um, uh, topic, Andy. And, and again, you know, all about Amazon today. Well. For those of you not uh, not watching or um, uh, on LinkedIn Live or you know recording, watching the recording, those of you listening on the podcast, there is we're showing a picture of a dog. What the heck? Why are we showing the- any dog too? A royal dog. These are corgis. That's a very impressive dog. I think it's a corgi. Why? A corgi. It, is, it is a corgi. Yeah, yeah. Short legs and really cute. Uh, why are we looking at a dog? Well, Amazon when they started had a dog. Well, it wasn't Amazon. It's one of their first, um, um, uh, their former editor-in-chief and principal engineer had a dog named Rufus that they brought. He was a fixture at Amazon. He brought him to work every day. He was called Amazon's shortest uh, volunteer uh, worker. He uh, he was you know affectionately called that. And he was in the office for, I don't know, 15 years or so and really became a part of Amazon's culture, right? So what does this have to do with AI? Well, Funny enough, Rufus is now the name of their new gen AI-powered conversational shopping tool. Rufus is wandering around going, oh, I thought it was a dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a joke, everybody. That was a joke. Like the laugh track. Um, yeah, so, just so people know we're not in front of a live studio audience. That was a oh, yeah, laugh track, but very clever, Brian. Uh-huh. You like that? I don't I don't think I fooled anyone. Play it again you so you can hear it. Yeah. You want to hear it again? More laughing? Sure. Oh, there, it is. there it goes. Or no, no, it's not working. That stopped working. There you go. <laughs> so, let's just chime in at some some random moment now. Any rate, folks. Yes. Yeah, so Amazon named their AI after after Rufus, after the dog, right? Why? Hey, why not? It's pretty creative. I think it's a little too close to Doofus. <laughs> I agree. I think that if it doesn't work well, people are going to call it Doofus. But... Right. Anyway, I'm sorry, Rufus, but it, it is what it is. So, so. Um, you know, what? what is this? Well, we'll get into that in a moment. Here's here's some context for everyone. Amazon traditionally plays in what's called the tail spend or spot buys, right? What we mean by that in B2B, right? The customer, when a customer knows what they want, a B2B buyer, they, they, they want it in small quantities. The order is unanticipated. It's uninfluenced by the procurement department, other parts of the business, and they need it fast. That's where Amazon has built a lot of its volume, both in B2B and and to some degree b2c too you know a lot of b2b buyers will buy through standard amazon that's 15 to 30 percent of overall um b2b spend we have some data we're showing on the screen here from the hackett group from a few years back but it shows you know kind of the you know where spend lies for b2b companies and a lot of it 40 percent, is influenced by strategic sourcing or influenced by the buying desk or it's it's what's called more of the sort of the plan spend or you know, more consultative or, you know, highly, um, um, you know, sort of uh, involved selling. So the question, Andy, is, you know, really around this new tool, does it have the potential to help help them shift this? So tell us a little bit about ru- what this Rufus is, Andy. 
Well, you know, in the tradition of ChatGPT and Bard and the others, now Amazon has its version, maybe a little late to the game, and as a matter of fact, but it's a Gen IA-based product finding tool that's been trained on Amazon's product catalog, its reviews, information, et cetera, uh, that allows shoppers in B2C, buyers in B2B <clears throat> to ask contextual questions now, conversational commerce, as they called it a couple of years ago. Right. right. Uh, and to your point, what makes this particularly interesting is it seems like it's now Amazon also throwing down the gauntlet that they now want to get out of just being a finding company where if you know, like you said, what you want, you go to Amazon, you can find it. They want to actually add to that the ability to discover products, which traditionally they have been weak on. We've done content about this before where Google's stronger, say on the discovery side, Amazon was just stronger on the finding side, right. both want to get into each other's businesses, but Amazon now with Rufus, we think has the ability to do that, get in the discovery stuff. It really is kind of a recommendation engine on steroids. That's the way I sort of think about it. Again, conversational commerce, and there's a significant opportunity here for Amazon and the advertising side in B2B. This is the part that has been sort of flown below the radar, I think, with a lot of people. In the last couple of years, Amazon has dramatically increased its mm -hmm. revenue associated with advertising. So once you become a, once you reach critical mass, yeah. not only can you make money off of selling people stuff, you can make money off of sponsoring sales of things, right. because now you control the buy box. And so Rufus could do this. And we found an example of this. So I was just thinking for, in preparation for this, what if Rufus was looking for a coffee drip maker. And so there was an example of that where somebody asked Rufus, what's the best drip coffee maker out there? And Rufus instantly replied with Mr. Coffee, showed a picture, an image of it, and recommended it, right? Yeah. Well, I thought, what if I ask Alexa? So right. last night I asked Alexa, and Alexa says, are you shopping? I said, yes. And said, the top-rated coffee maker by ratings is, and it listed the name of some Italian coffee drip maker. Yep. Interesting that Alexa seemed to be more objective and unbiased about it. Whereas it feels like at least in the outset here, Rufus was pushing a sponsored product. Well, I think we've seen precedent for this too, Andy, in, in Amazon. I mean, clearly, you know, as you look at their most recent earnings report just came out this week, you know, there's advertising is a key area for Amazon. And I think they're thinking about ways to monetize this. So it's going to be a fine line you know, to truly deliver this contextual, quote unquote, unbiased. But I mean, are, are traditional sales processes unbiased, Andy? No. So, you know, maybe that's okay. And maybe that's you know, part of what the AI is going to capture is that. And by the way, Amazon collects so much information, behavioral data, uh, obviously purchase data, but even think about, you know, things like Amazon Prime Video and, you know, other behavioral signals that they can collect they have an advantage on this kind of conversational commerce, quote unquote, like we would talk about it five years ago. But, you know, this this sort of next generation moving up the funnel, getting into more of the, uh, the more difficult and complex sales, they have an advantage versus really anybody, because even even over a Google, certainly over, a you know, a, 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 you know, a chat GPT or, you know, you know they're going to have to establish something, though. In B2C, <clears throat> hey, if they say the the coffee drip maker, I buy, I don't like it, so what, right? Yeah, yeah. But if you're a B2B company and they recommend 
a product that's sponsored that isn't actually the highest quality product. Yeah. But to your point earlier, maybe a knockoff from Asia, for example, yep. if they're not, you know, responsible for what they're selling and it breaks a machine or you get fired, that's a whole nother level. Yep. So trust is really key. So Amazon's going to have to demonstrate that Rufus is a trustworthy oh. advisor. That's right. And then you get back into the first part of our session today, talking about being now held responsible for or liable for third party uh, product. So yes, you're absolutely right. B2B has a lot of implications. We're showing on the screen a couple of examples of Rufus in action here. It's actually, and you made this point, it's not integrated into the search experience. It's actually a sidebar kind of, um, you know, application. So it's not forcing, they're not forcing customers to use this, at least not today. Um, but, you know, is, is, is this pickleball paddle good for beginners? Provide some back and forth. You know, what's the best, what are the best toys for a dinosaur obsessed five-year-old? These are, these questions being put into this AI tool are contextual. Um, and there's lots of other examples. Um, you know, what do I need for cold weather golf or what to consider when detailing my car at home? I mean, these are questions that aren't, hey, find me that, you know, the, this product with this SKU number. So that what it begs the question, you know, there's, I pulled up um, an, an article from a few years ago from Inc., magazine uh andy that says three reasons why artificial intelligence will never replace sales jobs you know that that was and what was interesting andy this is you know a few years back and they were citing your research when you're at forrester about you know the death of a salesman um a b2b salesman um you know they and this is a quote from the article i'll read it for our podcast listeners while some purely transactional sales positions move to the way self-serve model jobs that involve high consideration products through a complex sales process Will be enhanced not replaced by ai that's what they talked about but I, you know as far as this, this, what we're talking about here though is ai you know really helping with that more complex sales process potentially is it there yet no um but is it going to get there with this amazon you know uh piece and is this in fact the beginning truly of the death of a b2b salesman andy as you predicted 10 years ago or whenever that was um so that, you know, it's interesting because we keep going back to this death of a salesman research. I keep seeing it everywhere that you did because, you know, I think it was prescient. Well, you know, I, I remember when I was writing the research in 2015, I had no idea that we were going to have AI or a pandemic or any of that stuff. Right. I mean, we sort of knew AI, but it seemed like science fiction at the time. But it didn't take a genius to figure out as software gets more sophisticated recommendation engines were getting better. Now you have this AI, and I think everybody was thrown for a loop last year with ChatGPT because it, it took it up on an order of, of a magnitude level. I mean, it was that much more impressive. People saw this and it seemed almost like magic. Well, take that and apply that to the circumstance we have right now. And it does not strain credulity to think that within a couple of years, you're gonna be talking to a chatbot powered by AI that's right. going to be able to recommend products that have great ratings that, you know, they'll be able to bring in social signals and be able to tap into what's going on in, in uh, communities, not to mention, like you said, just droves of information right. that uh, they've had over sales, over use cases, by use case over years. So no humans can be able to compete with that. Now, what I think is going to happen is AI is going to augment or enhance, like the Inc. article sure. said, initially. Sure. But I don't agree with that statement that 
it that's an end state. The end state is it will replace what humans are capable of doing. It just has to because it's oh, so course. much better. It's so much more sophisticated. Well, and think and think about this too. You know, if you're a B two B a B two B application, let's say you're installing an HVAC system and you have a specific application for that HVAC system. As Amazon deepens its its um you know its 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 uh, reach into B two B with Amazon Business, you're going to get more and more customer feedback, Q and A sessions, purchases by specific types of customers. Amazon's going to mine that information to then understand um, in, in across millions and millions of transactions to then understand what is the best application and be able to communicate that through AI to a buyer who asks a question, what is the best app, you know, what is the best system or, or component for this application in my HVAC system? So, you know, it, it, it has enormous um, um, sort of uh, implications, I think, for the B2B cycle. So oh, it does. And actually, and there's a couple of interesting parts about it. One is that I think initially it'll be humans that are backed up by AI, AI. So humans will make recommendations and AI will check the humans to see if it's correct. But over time, that's going to flip. And eventually it'll be the AI making the recommendations and humans will be double checking it to make sure right, right. that it works. Now, the reason why this is almost like good timing, it's not good timing for people who want to have these jobs, but it's good timing for B2B because Many of the people in B2B are treating out of the workforce. That knowledge they have about applications is disappearing as these people leave. And so you can't hire a 25-year-old who's never installed, you know, insulation and right. teach them, you know, the nuances of decision making, as well as you could, you know, as the guy who was retiring had that. So sure. AI is necessary because I hear this all the time from companies that really struggle to find a enough young people who want to do this and be enough young people who have knowledge in the space really hard to find absolutely all right we're, we're a bit past our 15 Andy. so uh wanted to just get to our linkedin poll and a couple quick announcements we asked our community will new generative ai tools allow amazon to capture sales of more complex b2b products in its marketplace the answer 75 percent was yes so you know clearly the community agrees that th at least to some degree you know, this is this is going to impact Amazon's ability to climb up the funnel into some of those other uh, categories of spend we talked about earlier. You, know, you can't go back in history, but would have been interesting as a thought experiment if we'd asked this question a year ago, what right. the number would have been, and it probably yes. would have been much lower. And but a year later, of ChatGPT and Bard, et cetera, has changed the way people perceive this. Absolutely. Uh, well, folks, we got a couple things coming. I want to just highlight real quick. We're we're at this point, Andy, we've got we've got our executive roundtables coming up in about six markets across the country. And we have waiting lists now, I think, in almost all of them. Um, uh, folks, if you're interested in a practitioner, uh, you're you're welcome to go to our site and sign up. If it's a full uh, session, we'll put you on the waiting list. But we'd love to have you uh, join us. These are in-person executive roundtables in key markets, Minneapolis, Denver, Dallas, uh, Chicago, L.A., um, and we have our summit coming up, which is a fabulous uh, event on June 4th. Our second summit will have about 130 uh, people there. It's at the University of Chicago's Bleacher Center. Again, go right to our website, Master B2B, click on all events, and you can see all of the um, events coming up uh, in the next few months. Um, also, we have, I think, I think we have a couple of sponsorships still available on a few of these, Andy. So any of our solution providers that are listening, if you have interest in getting in front of really the cream of the crop in B2B e-commerce, the leaders, uh, let us know that. You reach out to us right through our website. Here's some of our forum members, Andy, as always, we talk about our 
Master B2B Forum, just a fabulous place. It's, it's only practitioners. Uh, we I think we cracked about 375. We're getting up towards 400 members now. Um, and um, and please join. It's free to be a part of it. Just go to our website, click on forum and fill out the form there for an application to join. Again, no cost. So anyway, that wraps up our Friday 15. Actually, today it's almost Friday 20. This is a great topic. So we talked a lot about it. But uh, any final words for our, our listeners? Yeah, well, it's Super Bowl weekend. So I'm sure people are going to listen to this and then shut down for the day and That's spend right. their party menus. Well, the good news is we have a podcast, folks. So go to your favorite podcast uh, uh, spot and uh, look up Master B2B Friday 15 and you'll find us. So thanks again for joining. We will see you guys next week. <laughs>